You're listening to audio from St. Luke Church in Lexington, Kentucky. If you'd like to learn more or donate to this ministry, please check out our website at stlukelex.com. Happy Labor Day Sunday. How's everybody feeling? Okay. All right. Well, good. All right. Well, good. All right. Glad you're here. Um, we, <laughs> um, thank I appreciate that. It's good to be here. What a uh, joy, a privilege it is to get to be your pastor, I, I got to tell you. It, uh, good things are happening. I'm very excited about uh, the conference that will be here in a couple weeks. I'm very excited to see uh, that the St. Luke spirit of loving people well really translates through, and, and we've got uh, volunteer spots filled, and I, I can't tell you how that brings joy to my heart. So thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all you do, and we got good things going on. And what we've been talking about is that Christianity is not our search for God. Rather, it is the history of God's search for us. In the beginning, God created all things. He created us, a people to do life with and to love. And there was one family rule in the beginning. He said, here's the thing. You can have it all. It's all yours. Take care of it. Be good stewards of it. Just don't touch the tree, kids. Because if you consume this fruit, if you have this thing that I've forbidden, this knowledge of good and evil, you're taking my place. And I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith that I'll take care of that for you. And what did the kids do? Well, as sweet as Kennedy is, we know that at some point she's going to break a family rule. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened in Genesis chapter 3. They broke the family rules. And yet the good part is this. Even though they hid from God, Adam and Eve... God went and found them. The search for God is always for us. God went and found them in their sin and and slayed an animal and covered them and said, hey, you know, yeah, life's going to be different, but here's the thing, I'm coming after you. And so the story continues. It trends in that east of Eden sort of direction. You've got Cain and Abel. Cain grows jealous of his brother Abel, and so he kills him. And you've got Noah in the flood, and the end of that is just kind of a wild NC-17 ending, which we won't go into today. And then you've got the Tower of Babel, where uh, the people say, hey, God, look, we'd still rather be the management rather than you. And so God goes searching for a people, and he goes to Abram in the land of Ur of the Chaldees, And he says, here's the thing, Abram, I want you to leave everything you know, your land, your father's house, your father's gods, your culture, your language, the whole bit, and follow me. And the question is, how can we be like Abram when God calls and finds us and says, hey, here's the thing, follow me. How can we be more like Abram or or, or Sarah? And so last week, uh, we learned that God is trustworthy. How do we know that God is trustworthy? He makes covenants with us. He offers promises and makes covenants and seals them forever. And here's the deal, people. God says to us, look, if the covenant fails, even if you fail, I, God, will fulfill the terms of the covenant, even if it costs me my own life. How do we know God is trustworthy? Well, that cross is a beautiful picture 
of how trustworthy that God is. And so here's the thing. All that God promised Abram of going down into Egypt, of suffering for 400 years in slavery, it comes to pass. In fact, we read about it in the book of Exodus chapter 2. The scripture reads this. During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel, because of their slavery and cried out for help, their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. The key word is that word groaning. Have you ever groaned? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Groaning is a crying out, an oppression, a lostness, a brokenness, a pain. It's the stuff of searching for God. It's folks who are yelling out, God, where are you? Do you exist? Are you real? How can I know you real? Are you real? Why aren't you acting? Why aren't you doing something? It's being lost in the sin and the struggle without God. And I think a lot of people live in this world that way. And so you go running to the next thing that's supposed to help you and it doesn't work and you cry out again. God, where are you? Imagine doing this for 400 years. And that's the story of the, of the Exodus. A people groaning for God. God, will you show up? And so the Exodus story unfolds. God searches for a people. He calls Moses and says, here's the deal. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. And there's going to be a series of plagues. I think the frogs part would have been pretty cool. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. I wanted to be there that day. And sure enough, Moses leads the people takes off right out the front gates of of, uh, the Egyptian kingdom, plunders the Egyptians, so they walk into the desert quite wealthy, and this is what we read happens. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel, say it a little better. Oh, there we go. Grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died. They were in slavery, friends. Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger, grumbling. Have you ever done it? Now we got somewhere this morning. Yeah, grumbling. The word literally means to murmur in open rebellion against another. This never happens in the church, by the way. (laughs) Grumbling, right? Why didn't you do it my way? Why did you pick them? Why her? Why him? Why not my way? Why not this? Why not that? At groaning, we're lost. We're lost and and without who? We're without God. We're empty and broken, without purpose, without direction. At grumbling, we're limited because of the question of how. How, God, could you work that way? How, God, could you do this? How, God, how how could you not listen to me? How could you not accept my plan? How could you not do that? I mean, this is a how question. We've been answering these questions all throughout this teaching series between who and how. At groaning, it's who. At grumbling, it's how. How much it would have been a better thing if we would be slaves in Egypt. 
And so you find yourself unsatisfied and envious of other people, and you're stuck in this circular holding pattern. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been circling the same city in an airport, flying way above in the clouds? And the pilot raises his hand. (laughs) And I'm sure our friend the pilot has never heard the grumbling of people in the back of the plane. (laughs) God bless you, Steve. We're rooting for you. And people always say the same things. Have you noticed this? Doesn't the pilot know where he's going? Well, you better hope that the pilot does. Yeah, so grumbling. Circling over and over, stuck in the same pattern, whining, complaining, grumbling about what should be. At grumbling, we're limited. At groaning, we're lost. At grumbling, we say, God, I had a better idea for my life. At grumbling, we say, I want a different spiritual gift. And at grumbling, we stay stuck. Groaning people jump from crisis to crisis. Grumbling people, they live in the same pattern over and over and over again. And here's the thing, friends. Too many people in this world live in one of those two stages. Groaning or grumbling. Lost without who, or stuck in how. I know plenty of Christian brothers and sisters stuck at grumbling. And here's the hard thing. When you're in a church, when you're in worship, when you're in a Sunday school class, or, or, or you're with your small group, boy, it's easy to have more faith, isn't it? I mean, somebody encourages you, or you hear a word, you go, yes, that's it, I'm going to hold on to this this week. The hard part is the other 165 hours of life. Are you with me? When you don't have to just talk about loving your neighbor as yourself, and yes, that includes the people you don't like, then it gets hard. And our tendency is we grumble in those 165 other hours. People groan in those other 165 hours. And I think what Moses does is he teaches us the way beyond it because he experienced both. Imagine this, you have everything at your possible disposal. That was Moses. He lived in the the Pharaoh's palace. It was fantastic. He was at the top of the food chain. Everything, all he had to do is snap, and there it is. He's got it. That's his life. And one day he sees a Hebrew slave, his people, being beaten, and he does something about it. And he loses his status. He loses his position. He loses everything in that moment. I bet there was some groaning. For Moses, He ends up in Midian. And I got to tell you, if you're going to pick real estate, that is not where you want to go. And I think God hears him. In fact, he shows up in a bush. And the bush is on fire, and he says, Moses, in the voice of Cecil B. DeMille. Here's the deal, Moses. You're going to be my guy, and I'm going to use you. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt, and I'm going to be with you. And it's going to be fantastic. I mean, I picture the sales pitch for this thing. And I mean, it's God, so it's got to be fantastic. And what does Moses say at the end? Eh, Could you send somebody else? (laughs) Grumbling. I'm not eloquent. Could you just send somebody else? And these people, God, oh, really? He went from groaning to grumbling. And yet the good news is this. The way past groaning and grumbling is glowing. That's what we were created for, is to glow. 
In fact, John Wesley said that the goal of our faith, the purpose of our faith, wasn't just to get saved, but it was to become like Christ. It's holiness. To become holy as God is holy. To become pure in love for God and pure in love for neighbor. And yes, that includes the people you don't like. That's the goal. The goal is to glow. And Moses is going to show us the way. I, I would love it if we could read the scripture together this morning. Let's do that. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel that he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. In the beginning, God created a people to do life with and to love. We were created in the image of God. We had a holy glow to who we are and all that we do. And the hard part is what Genesis 3 teaches us is that we lose a bit of that image. Is it still there? You bet. You bet. You can think about the, the great moments of your life where it's still there. And yet it's marred. It's not quite as, as glowy as it once was, if I can use that as a word. And then what happens is we begin to groan because we're lost. And we need God. Sometimes we don't even know it, but we need God. And we begin to groan, why are things this way? And I'm lost, and I'm broken, I'm hurting. And God, where are you? And are you real? And God comes searching for us. And so God finds us, and he cleans us off, and he restores in us that holy glow. And then the problem is we start to grumble. And the good part is God doesn't give up. I like to think of it like this. God loves us as we are, but too much to leave us the way that we were. How many people are grateful for that? And so the more that God searches and the more that, that we desire more of God, we begin to draw nearer to him. And that's what you notice happening in Moses' life between the stories. In fact, if we were to take a, a catalog or collection of some of the things happening in Moses' life... God continues to call Moses near, and as Moses goes up on mountains, as Moses prays, as Moses draws near to God, something in Moses' life is changing. And this is what happens as we draw nearer to God. The nearer we draw, the more that we're changed. Because God loves us the way that we are, but too much to leave us the way that we were. So Moses trusts. And isn't that what God has been seeking all along since the very beginning? Hey, here's the family rules. Just trust me. I want to do life with you. Just trust me. Have faith. In fact, it changes so much that when Moses comes down the mountain, this is the second time. The first time didn't work out so good. But the second time, notice what the Scripture says. So when Moses comes down, came down from Mount Sinai 
with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the... Why? There's something about being in the presence of God that changes us from groaners to grumblers to people who glow. How much have you been in the presence of God lately? Something changes. I mean, the beautiful part about this word, skin of his face shone, that word shone, it literally means there's glowing horns of light radiating from him. I'm not making the choir, friends. Glowing horns of light radiating from him because he's created by God to love God with all of who he is, to love his neighbor as himself. And Moses begins to recapture the truth for every single one of us that you were created to glow. You're created to glow with the love and the radiance of Jesus Christ. That's why he made you. And the way that you get there is, by to, is to keep drawing near to God. So where we started in Genesis 3 with hiding, the goal is running toward. And, and this is where the search for God really comes to the best part. So God searches for us. And as we're found, as we know who, as we trust how, we start to search for God. God, I want more of you. And here's the thing. You know, we can know lots about God. We can do fancy degrees. We can, we can take every class that the church offers. We can listen to 18 dozen podcasts. You can know lots about God, friends. But here's the thing. Do you know God personally? And the more you know God personally, the more the holy glow begins to take over in your life. And I think that's why this is so relevant for this Sunday, because it's Labor Day. Now, some people call it the unofficial end of summer. I say, no way. We're going to hold on to that baby as long as we can. It's going to be 90s, and I'm thrilled still. But summer's a funny time, isn't it? Because Mother's Day is the unofficial end of the church year. Everybody comes to church because you don't want to let mama down. And Labor Day is sort of the unofficial start of the church year, and the reason is People kind of come back to church. You get in your rhythms. You're not on summer vacation. You don't go to the lake or play golf or whatever your thing is. And here's the thing. If you want to glow, you need practices, practices that help you draw near to God. And I wonder sometimes if that season between Mother's Day and Labor Day, we lose a little bit of the spiritual practices in our lives. Maybe. Like we don't read scripture quite the same wavelength that we did during the church year. Or maybe we don't pray quite as much as we did during the church year. Or serving, we're going to take a break for the summer. Or being generous, we're going to take a break for the summer. Or inviting, we're just going to take a break for the summer. 
And so we miss out on those spiritual practices, which keep us in the presence of God. And so as Labor Day begins, I'd love for you to spend more time drawing near to God. How much time? Well, let's start small. Some people think they got to read the whole Bible in one setting. That's a pretty big book. So let's just read a chapter. Well, where do I start? John's always a good gospel to start in, in the New Testament. Let's start there. And if you're not a John guy, well, Luke's pretty great for a church named St. Luke. So maybe you start there. But a chapter a day and spend some time praying. And when you pray, not just the laundry list, but God, I know lots about you. I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to have a heart more like yours. Help me be changed. Help me forgive. Help me to heal from. How about those kinds of prayers? Serving, there's always an opportunity to serve. I mean, even if you want to help with the GMC conference while the spots are filled and I'm fantastically thankful over all that, we'll find something for you to do if you want to be involved. Or you can volunteer at God's pantry. We always need help there. What about being generous? Being generous with your finances. Or inviting. We've said since the beginning of July, you know, it's your responsibility to make a disciple this year. How are you doing in that spiritual practice? You know, in the end, I think people ask me here and there, what's the secret of going deeper with God? And here it is. You ready? There's no secret. There's no secret. God simply wants our trust. And the way that, culti- that trust is cultivated is by drawing near to God repeatedly over and over and over. And that trust sustains us in those 165 hours of life that are spent outside the walls of this church. That's what happened for Moses. Notice it says whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he'd remove the veil. God, I just want to be real before you. What if we prayed like that? Until he came out. When he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and then Moses would put his veil over the face again. Some, Some people say that the reason Moses would take the veil off was to speak for God. And, and I, I buy that. That's very good logic and scripturally sound. I wonder, too, if part of the reason Moses had to put the veil back on is it convicted the people in the community. Where's my glow? Do I spend that kind of time with the Lord? Do I go 40 days at a time on a mountain with God? And so this morning, I'd love for you to reflect. Where's your life these days? Are you groaning? You feel lost or hurting or broken or wonder where God went or wonder why is it that I've run so far away? Or maybe you're, you're stuck at grumbling. Maybe you feel hypercritical. You've got lots of excuses. You talk about things, but you don't execute on them. You're critical of other people or you're envious of them. Maybe, maybe you're glowing, and that's fantastic. Maybe you're thriving in your faith and meeting with God regularly. Maybe you feel the fruit of the Spirit happening in your life, love and joy and peace and patience. Maybe you're using your spiritual gifts. 
Here's the good news about glowing. You can always glow more. They make higher wattage bulbs. Yes? And this is what Jesus tells us to do, isn't it? He says, here's the deal. Let your light shine, glow before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so, St. Luke, I want to encourage you as we embark on this journey that it's time to shine brightly. This is a community of people that loves well, a city on a hill. Let's glow. Let's lead other people closer to Christ. Let's draw more closely to God. And let's watch the way that God changes us and changes the life of the world around us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love, for your faithfulness, and for this journey that you've put us on. And in these 165 hours that will be spent outside of Sunday school and worship this week, we pray, God, that you would help us draw more closely to you. For those who are groaning today, we are thankful first and foremost that you come searching for us. It's part of your grace for each one of us. And you're near. And so, God, for our brothers and sisters who feel like they're groaning today and are just saying, God, please help. We ask that you would help them lay it down. The sin, the struggle, the shame, the separation. And God, would you come in and bring salvation and healing and wholeness. Be Lord and Savior of the lives of those who are groaning. And God, we lift up those brothers and sisters who are grumbling. Critical, hypercritical, hurting, stuck. Same patterns. God, we pray that you will bring healing. And for those who are grumbling, we pray that you'd help them off the throne. And you'd reclaim that place in their lives. Be Lord and be leader, we pray. And for those who are glowing, God, we, we want to be really careful in, in this moment because it's not what we do, it's what you do in us. And so, God, for those who are living in that holy glow and are growing in their faith and drawing closer to you, God, we just want to give you thanks and give you the glory that you alone are due. We're grateful today that you call us to this table as sons and daughters, and we pray that you will fill us and fuel us for ministry today. 